This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to get to visit with Dr. Arthur Klein. Dr. Klein's had this phenomenal career as a leader. He's recently retired, and he's going to give us lessons today in retiring well and staying relevant and continue to make a great contribution. Dr. Klein, can you take a moment, tell us about your career, and then, then we'll talk about sort of what you're doing currently, how has the career evolved, how retirement's evolved, and, and what you're looking to for the future. Dr. Klein, tell us a little bit about you and your career. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. So I started out as an academic pediatric cardiologist at uh, New York Hospital Cornell before it was New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia Cornell. And in, in, in my time, one could have a triple threat of being an educator, a researcher, and a clinician, and I enjoyed that. Uh, really by, by almost serendipity, and I think that happened to a lot of physicians who moved on to senior academic or uh, leadership roles, I was asked to become the executive vice chairman of the Department of Pediatrics. Um, I didn't know much about administration then, but it became a, if you would, I got thrown from the pot into the fire and rapidly learned, A, I liked being an administrator and I, and I enjoyed, and I enjoyed learning new skills. Uh, that took me to eventually be the executive vice president in charge of network development for New York Presbyterian Hospital. I then went on to be the chief physician officer at Lifespan, the major clinical system in Rhode Island, and the first joint hire with Brown uh, University to be an associate dean in their medical school in charge of the collaboration and relationship. I subsequently joined the North Shore LIJ system, now Northwell, as the senior executive of their children's hospital, going back a bit to my clinical roots in pediatrics, and eventually I became their regional executive director of the uh, over Lenox Hill, Manhattan Eye and Ear, and Staten Island University Hospital. And, and as you stated, Scott, I recently uh, retired after having been president and for one year president emeritus of the Mount Sinai Health Network in New York. So a career that went liberally from academic clinical medicine to my luck, uh, my great fortune, being a, 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 an executive leader. And, and talk about the transition from being a practicing physician to being an executive leader. Was that transition hard? Was it, was it not hard? Were you ready to do so at that point? What compelled you to do so? What drew you to it? Were you drawn to it? Did you think so, about it? How did that evolution occur? So I think there are several things. First of all, uh, when you are in clinical medicine, you value your, relation, your, your value and your relationships on a one-to-one -one level. You make a difference in one child's life, one person's life, one family life. When you move on to being an executive in healthcare today, you lose that one-on-one -on -one connection and you have to reorient yourself to the fact that the things you are doing can impact not just one person at a time, but whole populations, whole communities, whole financial resources. So that was a transition I had to make. The second transition, which I think is difficult for some people because it requires some introspection, Scott, you have to decide whether your skill set is as a manager, which is really day-to-day, -day, if you would, in the weeds management, which is what you mostly do as a doctor, to leadership. And leadership is not day-to-day -day management. It's setting an agenda. It's looking forward. It's being a communicator. It's being a visionary. 
So I had to learn the differences between the two and decide that I really was most motivated by being a leader and not a manager. And very importantly, in all the steps that I took, I was blessed to have very good mentors who, who taught me the ropes. Finally, I did go on for a master's degree because I felt that having the credibility and the language that comes with that would be important as well. And, and would you recommend the master's to others people? Was that time well spent? Did you enjoy it? Was it stressful? Tell us a little bit about that. So I think that's a very individual decision. And I think people get a little bit confused as to whether or not it's essential. I would say, Scott, my perception is that it's become more critical as physicians particularly want to ascend the administrative or leadership uh, ladder. But whether you go for an MBA or an MPH or an M or a Master's of Public Administration uh, or some other expertise, you have to think long and hard about what trajectory you're on. Um, and you have to make some lifestyle decisions. Are you going to arrest your current career and go full time? Are you comfortable with a virtual program, which many of these programs are now? Or are you comfortable in a night program that moves more slowly and perhaps is a different educational experience than you were used to when you went to professional school? Thank you. And now the transition for high performing physicians, leaders, any kind of professional, any kind of person, quite frankly, this transition from working full time, being a leader, you were president of the health network, a huge job, uh, also all these other roles, and then you're, then you're done, at least as a full time getting paid employee. How do you transition that and stay relevant and engaged in the world? Uh, I, I saw we have examples of people that we've seen that really stopped at retirement and unfortunately saw them get depressed, hired older in a hurry, they aged quickly, and some people could do it and not do that, some can't. What, what's your perspective on retirement, or should we even so, call Scott, it that when you've got yourself so busy in retirement? So, Scott, first of all, I think you raised an interesting point. I watched my own father's retirement and realized that when he retired, he aged rather rapidly and lost the sense of self, and that wasn't going to happen to me. So. The, 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 the learning I would impart is, first of all, prepare for it. Secondly, when you retire, you may retire from a job, but that doesn't mean you're going to retire from your profession and, very important, from your professional link. Think about what motivates you at this stage. And for me, that was easy. I wanted to be relevant in education. I wanted to go back to the joy I got in interacting with students, no matter what level they were at. And so... I built upon the relationships I had developed over many, many years to find entree into places where I could go back to teaching, where I can be a one-on-one -on -one mentor to certain professionals, et cetera. And I have to say, it's been immensely rewarding. While, while some people may say I'm retired, I think of this as just yet another phase in my professional development. When you think about the different roles, and I want to come back to this question about advice for people that are looking at retirement at least in their job, the first piece of advice you gave was prepare for retirement, prepare for it, know what you're going to do aside from economically, mentally, physically, engagement-wise. Of the, all the things you're doing currently, and what, what are you most excited about currently? What are you doing that gets you up in the morning and say, oh my goodness, I can't wait to spend time on this? What, what's the most exciting thing currently? So I would say right now, Scott, it's three things. 
I'm teaching public health students at Columbia University. I had done that in the past, but with more time, I've been more involved in the schools, and that's a great joy to me, and I look forward to it. Uh, and the curriculum I'm working with them now is their MPA students who want to become consultants. And so I'm teaching them about what consultants do. I have found pretend clients for them to work with, so it's a more real career. And that's kept me linked to people and to something I love. Also, I'm teaching at the New York and uh, New York Institute of Technology in their College of Osteopathic Medicine. My draw to that, Scott, comes from the fact that I think we, we coming from the allopathic world, need to embrace osteopathic medicine a little bit more completely because that workforce is critical to maintaining the healthcare workforce we need in the United States. And I think there are some very excellent schools that give a wonderful curriculum that prepares osteopathic students for being important physicians in our community. And their orientation, not completely, but in large part, is to primary care. Again, I think very important in terms of the healthcare armamentarium. The thing that people told me that I would also like to underscore is that people said, give yourself some time. You know, take a vacation, maybe travel a bit. Think about, really be introspective and think about what you do. Don't enter into, oh, I'm going to jump at everything because I'm panicked about not working or I'm panicked about not being relevant. So I would also advise, take some time. And my, my last point is this. When you retire, you do not lose relationships. That's critical because to me, executive leadership in healthcare, as it is in other industries, but especially in healthcare, is very relationally oriented. We get things done, we recruit people by the people we know, by the respect we show them, by what we know about them. And so when you're making a transition, think about the resources you have and the relationships you've developed through the years and how you're going to use those resources to guide you, to mentor you, and perhaps find, find uh, useful things that you want to do. Dr. Klein, I think wonderful advice, this, these concepts, and you hit really three different ones, is, is to make sure one stays actively involved and busy and healthy and doing stuff. Two is that you take some time to think about what you're doing, to sort of also give yourself a break, to give yourself some travel, whatever it is that you want to do, to let yourself off the hook for a little bit. Uh, and, and then finally, you also mentioned just because you're done with your work life or your whatever was originally your career life, that you're not done with all those relationships that you had. So you maintain, you keep those up, you stay in touch with people and so forth. And I think that's also wonderful advice. Dr. Klein, anything you wanted to add there that, that, that I missed? No, I think, I think that's it. People will individually respond to those, but that's advice I was given. And, and I would say of those, doing some self-analysis of what really, as you put it, Scott, makes you want to wake up in the morning and think about the people with whom you've developed a relationship, whom you, res whom you respect, who can guide you through this period and perhaps have gone through their own retirement or change in, in professional arena. So that would be the most important. A hundred percent. I think it's great advice. We had a couple of years ago on our CEO advisory board, we had a couple of retired CEOs talk to the group about how they'd manage retirement. And it was one of the most popular and engaging calls. And, and it, uh, it harkens to discussing with you this concept of preparing for retirement and thinking about it is so important. Like you, I had a father that um, 
you know, retired, retired and got older in a hurry after doing so. So it resonated with what you said, resonates with me so closely, I can't even tell you. Dr. Klein, thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. What a pleasure and continued good luck uh, on your journey. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for the privilege. And I hope this is useful and it it is rewarded by being an off-scene podcast. I appreciate, Scott.